Thank you for listening to Abide Church. At Abide, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our guest speaker. I heard Daniel Kalinda say at Jesus 18, there's people in the world that are um, being tortured and, and being uh, killed for Jesus. And then we have Christians in America who won't raise their hands on a Sunday. And it's like, is it really the same thing? Is it the same religion? And I'm just going to say, like, when you really decide to give your life for the more, it is not easy. Um, it's hard. Uh, Tiffany and I have been in a season of great growth and just, like, and seeing amazing things. But this past week has been really hard and um, and it's it's like it's it's so rewarding and it's really hard but at the end of it all the reward is Jesus and so it's like worth it and it's like I'll do it all again and even if I have five or ten or fifty years of this week I'll do it I'll pay the price because he did and if he paid for it then I should too like kind of just trying to find what Holy Spirit was doing and I was searching and searching and searching and searching and all of a sudden I had my eyes closed like I so often do and and all of a sudden I was like whoa there it is like that felt really good and then like just things started to happen in the room and then I opened my eyes and he was standing there and Tiffany's so right that like so when we got into youth ministry we thought that um youth ministry had to look a certain way we thought there had to be games we thought there had to be an abundance of pizza like we thought that there had to be at least three xbox giveaways every month or students wouldn't come um and so we kind of tried that the first year and i had so much anxiety and just like fear and just Every like so, leading up to Wednesday, I would literally tell them like, "I'm just, I want Wednesday to be over. I want Wednesday to be over. I want Wednesday to be over. I just can't. I want to get past it." And it's like, I thought I wanted it to be in ministry. This is terrible. This is not right. And then finally, I decided that I, instead of trying to push something else to get kids to fall in love with something else, I'm gonna get them to fall in love with Jesus. And I'm actually gonna do something. I'm gonna burn as hot and as bright as I can for them and in front of them, and guess what, it worked. And we have Tatiana who's going to mission school in, <laughs> I love her so much. Um, we have Tatiana who's going to mission school in Mexico. We have Cheyenne who wants to be a missionary. We have Devin who wants to be in the ministry. We have uh, this girl, Kayla, who came under us who She's a school teacher making decent money, but she wants to leave that and be a school teacher in Africa and minister to kids. And man, it's like, God, the reward is Jesus. And when you burn bright, people get drawn to the light because people are in darkness and they see a light burning and they're like, ah, oh, I want that. What is that? It's different. It's different. Oh, I love it. It's so good. And now we wait and we changed our service to Sunday nights and 
And now I'm like, oh, I can't wait for Sunday nights because I get to love on Jesus with no agenda, and it's amazing. And if, hey, if you don't understand it, that's cool. Maybe you'll be there one day, but like, we're gonna be here. Because here's the thing. I prepare a table for him, not for you. I have come to lay my life down in front of him. I answer to him, not you. This sounds weird, but a pastor ministers unto the Lord, not his people. Jesus said, feed my sheep. They are not your sheep. They're his. Your job is to minister to him. He will feed his sheep. He will feed them through you. So your job is not to minister. My job is not to actually coach people through life. My job is to say, Jesus, I am here. And I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Come, use me. I'm a vessel. Fill me up and pour me out. And he actually comes through me to you. There is nothing in me that says I have to minister to this person. The only person I minister to is the person who died for me. Oh, man. I'm so like just ravaged by the love of Jesus. It's so awesome. And it's, man, ministry is so different than I thought it would be, but it's way better. And every once in a while, yeah, sure, you get some people who are like, hey, you should do more games because if you did, you know, these people would come and it's like, okay, maybe so, but I'm never going to let the main thing stop being the main thing. Oh, man. So I want to get, that was, not, that was free. That's just, man, what was burning my heart. So, um, hmm. I want to talk this morning about the presence of the Lord. I want to talk about the presence. Can, can we um, get your Bibles and open to Exodus chapter 20? context of this scripture is Moses has led the people out of Israel, out of Egypt and they um, they've come to the mountain and the Lord has given Moses the Ten Commandments and now he's um, he's going to talk to the, he's been with the Lord he's going to talk to the people I'm going to start in verse 18 chapter 20 verse 18 of Exodus now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they stood, so they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for the Lord has come to test you and that, you, that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. But Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. I believe in that scripture, God was giving the Israelites an opportunity to live in the presence of the Lord. And instead, they chose to be fearful. They chose to be removed. They said, Moses, you can go. We'll stay here. And that's how this will work. You'll talk to God. You'll talk to us. You can go be in the presence. We want to stay here, kind of do our own thing, and we'll hear from God through you. The Lord's, as soon as the fall happened in the garden, 
God was constantly trying to pull people back into communion with him, where that was their everyday life, was direct, intimate communion with Jesus, with the Lord. And in the scripture, you see this in Israel, once again, chooses to be pulled away, says, no, I'm going to hide myself in the bush. I'm going to cover myself up with fig leaves. Like, I don't want that. You can go, and it will be separate. I'm telling you, still today, God wants you to live in the presence. God is calling every single, I'm not just talking about pastors or worship leaders or whatever. Every single child of the Lord is called to live in the presence of the King. I want to talk to you today about the presence. You know, so when we say presence, and I don't know about you, I think, I think it's probably true for your church. We have a lot of people come in to our church who are um, like homeless and people who just have no bearing of church, right? They've never been to church. They have no idea what even church is like. Um, and so I have to kind of be cognizant of that sometimes when we say things like, the presence and the anointing and all these Christian terms, right? Because they just don't know what you're talking about. They're like, the presence, what is that? Like, you got my, man, my, my uh, call her sister pastor, my pastor's wife. She gets up and she's old school church of God and uh, with a little bit of reformed Toronto blessing thrown in there. So it's really cool. But like, she gets up and she's talking about the presence of Jesus and how strong it is in the house today. But I'm like, what? They don't really know. So, um, the presence, when we say the presence is really strong today, what we're really saying, well, let me, let me say this. Um, anybody married recently in here? Who's a, how, how, how soon? August? Awesome. Perfect. So, yes. Yeah. Come on. It's awesome. Uh, what is it? Five years, babe? Almost five years. It's felt like 10 years. No, I'm just playing. It's felt like felt like a week, baby. I remember back when we were planning our wedding. <laughs> and every guy would probably attest to this, that like, the wedding is not for you, my friend. It is not for you. And every guy's like, yeah, I get it. And I don't care. Because <laughs> we are about something different, right? We're, we're after something a little different. Um, so, hey. This is, isn't this called real life church? No, no, that's right. So, um, but I quickly realized that the wedding was for my wife and that she wanted, to, you know, whatever. So I remember sitting and we would be at her parents' house and sitting on the couch and she had her laptop and it was just, it was like about like, you know, every couple, yeah, every couple of days because I would drive back from school, about three hours of just scrolling through Pinterest. What do you think about this? What do you, I, that's beautiful, honey. That's, that's, I love it, yeah. I love it. Well, you said you like the last one. Why? Well, whatever you want, sweetheart. Like, well, what do you really like? Well, I don't, I don't know. And then, so we're already going through premarital counseling at this point. Um, and so I remember, though, um, the invitations. Invitations, and if you're not married yet, they are very crucial. And if you, if you guys and girls who've been married, you know this. The invitations are very important. And if the invitations are wrong... The wedding has a, is possible for catastrophe, right? The wedding can be off if the if the invitations are wrong. Um, oh man, I remember my brother and sister. <laughs> at their, see, our wedding, we got married up in the mountains in Tennessee because we didn't want to invite none of our church people because because they're like, well, that's rude. But we, we got to feed all those people, man, and like it's just expensive. And it's like we can get married like in a shack 
and spend like $1,000 on food or we get married in a really nice place in the mountains and have like 20 people like, that's what I'm gonna do. So, because um, pictures last forever and people are gonna forget about my wedding in a week. So, um, but my brother and sister, when they send out their invitations, uh, yeah, so they, uh, <laughs> but yeah, my brother and sister-in-law, it's not that weird. Um, they, um, they sent out invitations and they had this one table and anybody who's done a wedding before, you know there's that one table, we called it table eight. And it was all the collection of just kind of the weird people that we know, weird people in our church, weird people in our family. And there's amalgamation of all these different strange people set at this one table. It was great. Some of the stories at that table were hilarious. But anyways, the invitations are important. Um, And so usually it goes something like this. You know, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so request the presence of so-and-so at their wedding or whatever. You know, obviously I didn't write them. Um, you know, in wedding time, when the wedding day comes, the bride and groom would be pretty disappointed. Let's say you're sending it to your grandmother, right? Uh, the grandmother so-and-so. They would be pretty disappointed that in the grandmother's stead, she sends a card, a good luck card. Or maybe grandma sends a handwritten letter. You're still going to be upset. It's nice it's handwritten, and it's nice that it's from her. But you want grandma, and even if she sends a list of the good things that she can do, you still want grandma. Because when you say, I request the presence of someone, I want the person. And so the presence of Jesus is actually the person of Jesus. And if you're not listening, you're not really like trying to understand, that statement can fly over your head and be like, yes, I understand. But we don't sometimes. We don't, because when the presence comes in, hear me, it's the actual person of Jesus. As real as he was when he fed the 5,000, he is real here. As real as he was when Thomas touched the holes in his heads, and Jesus says, blessed are you who believe because you've seen, but more blessed are those who haven't seen and still believe. His presence is the person. It's important we know that because when the presence comes, there requires, Jesus always, when Jesus walked into a room, there was a reaction. When Jesus comes, it requires a response from us. And sometimes when I've, because I've done church a while, I see when the presence comes and some people don't respond. It's like, you just don't understand. You don't understand who just walked in the room. The presence is literally the person of Jesus. It's not some sort of like, it's not some sort of like holy mystical fog. It's not something that God sends like this heavenly rain, that some ladder of rain. It's not that, okay? That's different. When I say the presence has come, I mean the actual, you could easily just say, man, Jesus was strong in the house this morning. He was strong in the house this morning. Because the presence is him. And he is the presence. There is no, Michael Culliano says, there is no scalpel thin enough to separate Jesus from his presence because they are one. They are one person. He's a man. He's an actual person. And so if he's a man, because when he was on the earth, he's, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the things that grieved him when he was here still grieve him now things that made him happy when he was here still make him happy now. 
when he was on this earth, he cried when, when he said they did not know the hour of their visitation. Meaning, he came and they didn't recognize him and so they shooed him away. He wept. How many churches in America today, he wants to come and instead we have a chart that says worship 15 minutes. Offering, two minutes. Sermon, like whatever. He comes and we say, no, I like this chart better than you, Jesus. Man, I got, you, you want to get wrecked? You want to have, you want to feel hope for the mega church out there? Watch, oh, geez, watch Celebration Church in Jacksonville. There's YouTube videos about it. Pastor Stovall Williams, I, man, I watched, sorry, Weems. Um, Stovall Weems, man, they, there's YouTube, there's uh, videos on YouTube. This man, he's a pastor of this gigantic church over in Jacksonville. And in, in one of their Good Friday services while they're having communion, he, and this is not this type of church, you have to understand me, this is like a non-denominational, very kind of like seeker-sensitive, whatever type of church. He got tooking up, he got took up into heaven. And he's shown all this stuff. And now their church is radically different. I have my friend, he's on staff there, and he's telling like, yeah, the church is incredible now. But not every church is like that. And so we push him away. What makes him happy? When the simple received him as children. And we're like, Jesus, just come. I just want to sit with you for a second. I believe everything you say. I believe you. Like, you're just like everything to me. Man, when my son, when I walk in the room, when I walk in the house from like, when I come home for lunch or whatever, and he says, Daddy, and he runs up to me. I don't care what I have in my hands. It's dropping to the floor because I want to pick up my boy. And I feel like Jesus sometimes is his father who's grieving because his children no longer want to run to him. And he longs to pick up and hold his children and just to sit with them. We don't have to do anything. He just wants to sit with you. Jesus has a love language, man. Like, he has a, he's a person, and he has a way that he wants to be loved. If you've read that, seven, five. Love language, right? Obviously, I haven't read it. Not in a long time. Not since premarital counseling. So, <laughs> you know, my, my love language is touch, right? I like touch and I like gifts. My wife's is quality time. You know, I could really give a rip about words of affirmation. Like, I know I'm good, so it's whatever. Now, uh, but Jesus doesn't need you to tell, to tell him who he is. He knows who he is. He doesn't need you to say, he likes it. And I'm going to talk about that in a second if, if we get to it. But he doesn't need you to tell him that, Jesus, you're good. He's like, yeah, I know I'm good. He doesn't need you to give him a gift because everything, everything you would give him, he's already given you. He doesn't need your stuff, bro. Like, he doesn't need it. The reason we tithe is not so that he can get money. It's so that he can actually bless that and put it back in the world so that the funds of the world can actually fuel the gospel. What he really wants he wants what he paid for. And that's you. Jesus' love language is quality time. I 100% believe this. Jesus' love language is quality time. He wants you. And so many people don't give him that. Number one, because they feel they're not worthy. They're like, I can't be with him. I'm not worthy enough. And number two, he, they think he's not worthy. And you're like, how can that be true? It's like this. When you say, 
no, I'd rather stay up all night and play Xbox rather than spend time with the Lord. You just proven to the Lord that he's not worthy. When you say, okay, well, um, there's this thing that you know, I feel the Lord's want me to do, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to choose my kid's T-ball schedule over the Lord. And that's going to rule our lives. Trust me, like I'm, in, I'm a youth pastor, so I'm in the thick of it. And we have these parents who literally have set up an idol worship to like sports and getting a scholarship or whatever. And their kids are on the fast track to hell because they're like, well, they'll do that after high school. Like, no, bro, they won't. Because you are actually, te- parents, hear me. You are actually teaching kids what is a value in your home when you say okay yeah you can miss church to go to basketball practice you're saying basketball practice is more of a value than the actual presence of the Lord well if they don't go to practice they won't play whatever like who cares like he is literally the king of kings and lord of lords like what literally is more important than that come on He has a love language. He wants to be, he wants to be loved on. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to be with you. He's a man. First Timothy 2:5 says, We have one mediator. That is the man Christ Jesus. I don't understand it, but just as he is, he is God, he is also man. And oh gosh, he, he's so good. So there's there's levels of his presence, you see. There's levels of his presence. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I, I get on rabbit trails really bad. I got diagnosed with like ADD, ADHD or something like that when I was a kid. And my parents were like, ah, oh, he'll just live with it. So it's cool, man. Like, I like it because I get to experience, I get to flow in a lot of different ways when I, when I preach sermons. And I was talking to my wife last night. I was like, I have my notes. And, and I, we're all on right now, if you couldn't tell. Um, and so I'll be like, yeah, I'll be here. And then by the time I come back in my notes, I'll be like way down here. And there's like a bunch of stuff I missed. So let's just go on a journey together. Yeah. Um, so, and Holy Spirit, lead me if you can. Um, so, uh, wow. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So there's levels of his presence. You see, there's levels of his presence. There is his omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. And not just everywhere. He's actually in your past, present, and future. He's in between your molecules. He's actually in between the relationships between you and people. And there's different levels of his presence. You see, there's also something in Matthew where he says, where two or three gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. You know what that word means, the midst of them? I looked it up. It, it actually means, it means not only in between, like in between my, my wife and destiny, like sitting in, which by the way, Jesus is the best person to have sitting in between you in the church pews because he knows all the answers to the questions the pastor might ask. So like he's the best. He's the best seat partner. He'll also nudge you awake when you start to fall asleep. But, um, but it's not just that. When he comes, when Jesus actually comes, I, I, man, I, I see it like you've ever seen one of those color bombs that explodes and it just, it just comes in the room. So like when we actually exalt the name of Jesus and he walks in the room, he actually explodes and he fills every facet of everything. So not just like he fills the room, which I love this. The um, Acts 2 says he came and the place that they were in actually shook. Not just, it didn't say the ground, it didn't say the building, it said the place. 
So I, I love, and once again, Michael Kulianos was like, he says, the air shook. Jesus can actually shake the air. The air will vibrate. I've been in a, a, just a handful of services where I feel the glory is so heavy that like the actual, just the thing is vibrating. Everything is vibrating under the power and the weight of the Lord. And so he comes and he explodes and he feels everything, not just like in the space, but also in your body. He starts to go inside of your body in every single part of yourself. And he actually goes into your heart. And he comes into the deepest, darkest place of your heart. And then not only that, but he goes into your mind. And then he starts to come. And when he enters into you, I believe he enters into your past. He enters into your present. He begins to enter into your future. He goes into the midst of actually who you are as a person. And you be actually become to be filled with everything that Jesus is. And he starts to like, I, 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 mean, I saw a vision one time of what, how, what this looks like. It's like you're a jar and you're open and there's God and Jesus is fat. It's just weird. It's like liquid Jesus. And so he pours this liquid Jesus into you and you get so full. It fills everything up. And then not only that, he actually fills the midst of your relationships. He fills the midst of the covenantized relationship. That's why in the presence, reconciliation is normal. In the presence, you are angry at your sister. Bro, you can't sit in the presence and be angry at your sister much longer because he wants reconciliation. Healing is normal in the presence. One of the things we've been discovering and, and, and we're working through, and I believe this is a church that practices the presence as well. We're trying to practice the presence. One of the things we've been seeing is that when, when, the, real, when the presence really comes heavy and it's strong and Jesus walks in the room, you know, it's funny. He's a person. The presence is the person. So it's not uncommon and it's normal that when he, the presence comes, when he comes, he actually does what he did when he was here. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when the presence of the Lord comes, I don't have to put my guitar down and begin to pray for people. He actually begins to do it because Jesus is the ultimate go-getter. When Jesus comes, he never comes on accident. You see, Jesus always comes on purpose. When he comes, he doesn't say, I want to just come in this room and just kind of lounge and stuff. Jesus does lounge, and Jesus' ministry is through the relaxation. He wants a Bethany where he can just sit back and relax and, and, and feels welcome. But let me just tell you, Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is not lackadaisical. Jesus is not, um, he's not passive. He's super active. And Jesus is, when he comes, he comes to do work. And he showed me this one time. What does he do? Jesus makes all things new. He makes all things new. Jesus says, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. And so when his presence comes, it's no different. He begins to move. One of the things we're seeing in our church is people being healed without nobody laying hands on them. They're being healed in worship. And it's incredible. Like It's, it's one of the things that the Lord dropped into my pastor's heart, and we're beginning to see it happen. So he comes, and even in the midst, he's there in every aspect of us. He, he, he infiltrates everything. You see this in scripture in, in first and sorry in Colossians 1 7. He says, He made all things, and in him all things consist. He is actually in every aspect of everything. Is Jesus. Oh man. Why well, say this? Man, I feel like in this day and age, I am actually really hopeful. There is a movement coming. And, and the Lord gave me this uh, a kind of a, a prophetic word a couple years ago, and I've just been kind of hiding it in my heart and sharing it 
with a few, but I feel like we're in the days of a remnant. I feel like we're in the days of the remnant where there is a people rising up who will be true lovers of Jesus. True lovers of Jesus. And there will be others who go to a church that won't. And that's just in the Bible, man. I'm sorry. Like, and maybe I've listened to too much like Francis Chan, but man, this thing is too serious. This thing is this thing is too real. Hell is too real for me to not possibly offend you with saying like you need to check yourself just because I don't want to hurt your feelings when I don't want you to spend eternity in hell bro I want you to come with me and like we can live together abiding in him and I don't want to while I'm on earth be like well, I don't want to say that because he might get upset but then you actually spend eternity separate from him and I feel there's a remnant rising up of true lovers but there are some, like, and, and we've experienced this, especially after we started going after the more. It's funny. Huh. Um, uh, well, it's funny. When you start to go after this sort of stuff, how many good, solid, like, biblically-based Christian people have problems with it? <laughs> wait, it's like, wait, what? Like, aren't you reading the Bible? Like, don't you want him? Like, what? we're not out here, like, handling snakes. Like, that's next week, not point. Like, like, we're not out here doing that, man. We're just saying, like, hey, we want to come to Jesus. And like, well, you should be a little more balanced. Like, shouldn't you teach the word more? And like, what do you teach the word more? Like, he is the word. Like, he is the word. How dare I say I'm not teaching the word? Like, he is actually the word. I cannot teach about him without reading that. I, man, man, people have problems reading the Bible. Listen to me. If you say you don't like reading the Bible and you're a presence guy, you just want to sit and abide. All you want to do is listen to worship. It's like this. It's like me saying to my wife who I'm married to because you are married to him. It's like, man, I love you. I love spending time with you, but don't open your mouth. I love you, but I don't care about a thing you say. How dare I? This is literally for me. This is literally like a outpouring of his heart for me. This is a road map. This is a treasure map for me to go and find Jesus. Oh, man, he wants to be found so bad. So I... Uh, rabbit trail. Get off it. Um, uh, people, they don't value the presence, man. And two reasons, I feel like. I feel like, one, it's fear. Because, <laughs> if man, if you've ever been in charge of a service, when the presence comes, Gio will know this, like, there's not, there's not an abounding level of uh, feeling of control <laughs> in that service. You do not feel in control. And you quickly realize, oh, this isn't about me. Like, this is about someone else. And he literally just walked in the room. And now it's like, okay, this is you. You got it, buddy. Like, you got it, Jesus. You take it. And some people don't like that because there's a fear there. There's a fear that, like, I don't want to give this over to him because, uh, like, I don't, I don't really trust you. Fear always comes from a lack of trust, I feel like. And, and so there's that. And then there's just, like, people just don't know. People just don't know that it's from, and it comes from disbelief. And this, I believe, is not just in those other streams that don't believe in the presence at all. I believe this one right here can be found in this church, in my church. And it looks like this. Now here, look, look at me. I, I believe in grace. I believe in having bad days. Jesus is more gracious than I'll ever be. But just hear what I say right now, okay? And if you get offended, people with healthy, happy hearts don't usually get offended. So offense is usually 
mm, is like the beginning of a trail for breakthrough. So if like, if something I say offends you, like maybe ask the Holy Spirit about it, okay? But just listen, I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, I find it amazing when I'll be in a service and the presence is really heavy. And it's not just the worship team who feels it and they're jamming out and all this sort of stuff, but like it's really heavy. And there's the guy in the middle of the seat like this, sitting down, like just, I just wish I was anywhere else than this. Okay, and I'm not talking about a non-saved person. Okay, they don't know the Lord yet. I'm talking about a person who professes, I love Jesus. And right now, you look like you don't want to be here. Like, you look like this is just the worst place ever. This is like, you know, some little kid's bar mitzvah or something like that. You just want to be out of there. So, the Lord showed me something one day. We're talking about the person is the presence and the presence is the person. If, let your imagination be holy for a second. If the actual person, so in the flesh, Jesus walked in the back of the room, walked in the door, and you could turn around, you could see him, you could smell him, you could touch him, you could talk to him, you could hear what he says. You see what kind of clothes he's wearing. If that happened, and you knew it was Jesus, not just a guy like a hippie, like you knew it was him, what would your response be? You're like, this is the savior of the world, like the man who has come to take away the sins. He is risen, and this is the lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the earth. He actually hung on a cross and took my sins, and here he is. I can see the holes in his hands. I see the wound in his side and the, and the scars on his forehead from the crown of thorns, and here he is walking into my church, into my, in this room, and I can see him, and I smell him, and he smells like a sweet smell, and it's, but it's also like strong, and he, and he, look, he has eyes of fire, and he's so passionate, and there he is, but I'm still going to sit here with my arms crossed. Like I just, I, I firmly believe no person who truly intimately knows the Lord would do that. Because when you see Jesus, if you were to really see him, you would be on your knees worshiping and say, oh God, you're so incredible. So why doesn't that happen when the presence comes? Why does the person still sit? Why do they, why do they not engage? It's because there's a separation from that into what happens here. That's okay. It's just part of renewing our mind, okay? I'm just here to tell you that this, when this happens, like, man, when Destiny and them, ha- it was, worship was amazing, but when they stopped playing and we started to sing, if you, do, if you couldn't tell, something shifted in the room. There was something that was actually released in the room, and what that was was simple adoration for the Lord. Yeah, and then he came, like, really strong, and I felt it. And I want every single person, my heart's cry is every single person to realize that you can commune with the Lord every single day. It doesn't have to be with Destiny and Cove leading worship. You can commune with him in your car, on your way to work, when your kids are screaming at you. You're a single mom, or you're a mom in general, you're, you're at home all day with your kids and they're screaming. You can have calming, peaceful presence in your house when your kids are acting like little devils. You can It's already 12. Right, we got to wrap it up. All righty. Okay. 
band to come back up or something? Yeah. Everybody, you can stand. wanted to do um, was just to love on the Lord a little bit and just to have his presence come and and then I mean like if I feel led me and my wife may pray for some people or whatever but just I want him to come and minister man I want him to come and do what he wants and so I want to just kind of really quickly really briefly um, kind of give us some direction so and I'm also talking to the worship team too right here Jesus comes Jesus comes when a sacrifice has been offered unto him. So you've heard the phrase, fire falls upon the sacrifice. When we want the Lord to enter into our midst, into our into our place of worship, to our gathering place, it's one thing just to come and we can all be here in the name of Jesus, but it's another thing when a body of believers actually offers something up unto him. You know, I firmly believe one of the reasons why we can have services that are so amazing and then people who are sitting there, Christians who are not experiencing anything, is because they've come in that service and you hear in the Old Testament about worship and the, this, this, the, the, the thing of sacrifice, the sacrifice, the killing of a, a, a bull or whatever, was so synonymous with worship. And obviously Jesus has come and we don't have to offer sacrifices of bull and goats but my heart's desire, and I'm not trying to be religious, but I feel like he still, he still likes the sacrifice. He still likes something offered up unto him as a sweet-smelling aroma. And so sometimes we come in, we come in, and the presence is really strong and thick, but we don't feel anything. It's because this. It's because we never offered something unto him. We never offered something unto him. It, it, I see it like this. You come in, and you're like, Jesus, come. I want you, Jesus. Come. God, give me something. But you're sitting there with a closed hand. Your hand is so closed, and it's clenched so tight. And you're like, what, what am I supposed to give to him? There's one thing that every single one of us can sacrifice. I'm not saying you need to throw your, your money down here. That's not what I'm trying to say. There's one thing that every single person in this room can offer unto the Lord right now in this moment is your pride. Oh man, I see that the Christian church really holds on. We'll give away our we'll give away thousands of dollars before we do something stupid in front of people. And when we release our look good, as my brother-in-law says, we release our pride unto him and we say, Jesus, I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna look really foolish, but I'm just gonna focus on you because that's all I really care about right now. And I'm just gonna give you praise and and I'm actually gonna live kind of and allow myself to experience and feel that awkwardness and and people are staring at me but I'm gonna allow myself to feel that I want to feel awkward I want to feel that because I'm offering that as a praise as a sacrifice unto you that's when Jesus says aha a worshiper in spirit and truth someone who doesn't care about the world someone who cares about me more than what people think about them that's someone that I can fall upon and burn 
We don't feel the fire because we offer nothing to burn. And there's always an exchange. So when you give up yourself, you receive him. You receive Jesus. And so, and even for a worship team, man, I wish I learned this years ago. For worship, Holy Spirit, Jesus does not come because you strum the guitar loud. He doesn't come because we can hit the high note. He doesn't come because we have a, a, you know, a 15-person band and it sounds like Hillsong or Bethel or Elevation. He doesn't come. He comes because hearts are yielded in genuine surrender. That's why you can have a person up here who can't sing a lick, who can barely play the guitar, but he has a heart that's yielded unto Jesus and the presence falls so heavy that people can't stand. It's not about your talent. Talent can fill a room, but anointing and a surrendered heart will put you before the king. And I wish I learned that as a worship leader because as a worship leader, we can we can learn how to manipulate a crowd through emotions. We can learn how to play this note this way and, and hit this note this way. But when I learn truly that I'm not praising unto the people, but I'm praising unto a person up here, that I learned that he longs for a surrendered heart. And so that's what I want to happen right now. Not just up here, but all across the room. I want every single person to have a surrendered heart. And that looks like whatever he tells you. You don't need to do what your neighbor does. You need to do what he tells you. Step out. Offer him something. And watch his presence fill this room so heavy. Man, somebody said it earlier this morning. I don't know who it was. But we want break. We want the pray. The, we think the praise is going to come after the breakthrough. If you need breakthrough this morning, if you're like I need, something, man, I feel I feel Holy Spirit right now. If you're like I need something in my life, I need something to break. You should be on your knees, my friend, crying out, offering yourself as a living sacrifice unto the Lord and saying, God, I want breakthrough because you've broken through me. Come on, so guys, just do whatever.